is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Welcome into White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans opening day tickets are on sale now. Make sure you're here April 3rd at 3.10 p.m. to watch your White Sox take on the San Francisco Giants. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. We are closer and closer each and every Saturday to opening day of the 2023 White Sox season. This is it. This is the final Saturday before the regular season begins, in case you hadn't marked it down on your calendar, or maybe you didn't, uh, I don't know, maybe you haven't circled it in the family date book. This is the time to do it. The White Sox season opener is March 30th. It's the opener for everybody. The White Sox and Astros play at 6.08 p.m., our pregame show at 5.30 Len and DJ take over right at 6 o'clock. It's the only game in that particular window. There's a couple of West Coast games afterwards, but the defending champion Astros get their chance to open up on national TV against the White Sox. Boy, we've got, I mean, tons of storylines to talk about from all through spring training, from the World Baseball Classic, but one that is absolutely going to be talked about this coming Thursday night will be nine-year White Sox, Jose Abreu, Playing in a uniform other than a White Sox one. It's uh, it, it's going to be tough to watch, I, I think, for a lot of people. Understandably so. Uh, but the White Sox are moving on and trying to win without a long-time stalwart in the lineup in Jose Abreu. So I'm sure we're going to talk quite a bit about that this week, uh, next week as well. I'm going down to Houston, get a chance to uh, broadcast a game or two from Uh, Houston, looking forward to that. Get to see some of it in person. I've been to that ballpark a couple of times as a fan, Minute Maid, the juice box. But uh, I've never worked there uh, in in, in terms of a broadcast or covered a game there, too. So that should be fun to see. I I, I like that ballpark, like that area. Uh, So a great start to the season is on the way for the White Sox, March 30th. Of course, the home opener, like I mentioned, against the San Francisco Giants, 3.10 p.m., April 3rd. And if you're looking for tickets, WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Let's get into some of the latest news from uh, White Sox camp down there in Glendale, Arizona. Sox made a couple of roster moves just the other day. More coming, uh, but eight roster moves made uh, just a little bit ago for the White Sox. It was on Monday, in fact. Nothing, Nothing necessarily surprising, but I wanted to take you through some of the names. The Sox have 42 players uh, remaining in camp after these cuts. A.J. Alexi and Frank Herman were optioned to AAA Charlotte. Uh, Alexi, a guy that the White Sox picked up to perhaps be part of that starting rotation depth or kind of long relief depth, perhaps. Uh, and Frank Herman, who pitched pretty well, save one outing in big league camp in Cactus League play. He was the minor league reliever of the year for the Boston Red Sox last year. It was his first full season in relief. I thought he showed well, um, and and with uh, and we're going to talk about some of the injuries, mostly minor that the White Sox have suffered in camp so far. Yeah, just some some bang up situations uh, with most guys. But Matt Foster is having a, a, a little bit of a bigger setback, so you're looking at relief depth. Foster has been a guy that's provided quite a bit for the White Sox bullpen, being that 
you know, if not the next guy up from AAA Charlotte, and certainly one of them. Herman could be exactly that. He pitched well. Gregory Santos has pitched well. The Rule 5 pick, Nick Avila, has pitched well in spring so far. Uh, so Frank Herman option to AAA Charlotte. couple other guys. Uh, I just, you know, some guys we saw perform well. Some guys are kind of prospectees. Some guys are uh, major league veterans that you may see throughout the course of the year. Right-handers Declan Cronin, Lane Ramsey, and Jesse Schultens were reassigned to minor league camp with their particular assignments uh, not determined yet, probably by the time, uh, probably tomorrow, something like that. Uh, Schultens eh, pitched well and could be part of that you know, starting rotation, starting rotation depth. I thought Lane Ramsey, in a couple of different instances, I, I happen to call a game or two where, where Lane, Ramsey was in, uh, liked the fastball. The, the breaking ball was a bit better than I thought it would be. He's huge, six foot nine. He's got that you know big time fastball. Struggles a bit with command, but I yeah I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Ramsey is pumping a couple of big league innings in 2023. You know, I, here's hoping. You know, he's, a, he's he he has a great season and and becomes a big factor. But I. I could see, you know, a nice little look, you know, maybe for some depth. Lane Ramsey having a good Triple A season, perhaps. Uh, Adam Hackenberg, the catcher, uh, infielder Moises Castillo, and outfielder Victor Reyes were reassigned to minor league camp. Reyes was brought in, and I, you know, he's a, he's a major league veteran. It's entirely possible that he goes to a different organization if he's not going to make the big league roster. Uh, you know, a lot of time with the Tigers. The White Sox were looking for outfield depth pieces. Um, most of the offseason after signing Andrew Benintendi, looking for a guy that could cover some center field. We've seen Oscar Colas play some center field in camp and and play pretty well to the point where manager Pedro Gafal has said having Colas on the roster doesn't necessarily influence the guys we're going to take, the rest of the outfielders we're going to take, but you know, it does give him a little bit of a breather knowing that he can cover center field for you in a pinch. Uh, he said, and I, I thought it was kind of interesting the way he put it, two in ten days you could have Coloss out there. And, you know, I think he's just kind of picking a number and giving you a, a percentage more or less, 20% of the time, or you know, maybe late in games you got to move him over. Aloy Jimenez is apparently poised to play some right field uh, for the White Sox this year, see how much. But, you know, if you've got... A couple of moves here and there, late in the game, with the the Manford man on second base or whatever, and you got to move Coloss over into center field because perhaps you've got Benintendi and Jimenez, the remaining outfielders. Those guys both corner, Coloss in center. And you know, I wouldn't be too surprised if you see some of that uh, outfield alignment for the White Sox. Some of it throughout the course of the season. Maybe it's a day Luis Robert has off, or or uh, you know, God forbid, somebody's you know hurt and the White Sox have to adjust the lineup from there. Uh, anyway, those were the latest moves, probably some more, maybe even today. Uh, and, you know, just kind of see how this roster boils down. I, I think Billy Hamilton has had the inside edge on an outfield job for a while. Uh, Hanser Alberto has had a nice camp and could be that last guy to make the roster. There could be some tough decisions for guys under contract or about guys under contract who, who have been around for a long time on this White Sox team. Hey, a White Sox 10-game ticket plan gives you the ultimate flexibility. Pick games based on your schedule and budget. Don't miss any of the action in 2023. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash ticket plans or call 312-674-1000. A lot of baseball, a lot of teams. 
whether they had players in the World Baseball Classic or just had guys uh, coming off the field after shagging fly ball. I don't know if you saw, and there's been a lot of conversation about the World Baseball Classic and the injuries that have popped up because of it or what have you. And there have been a lot of a lot of loud voices uh, with a lot of loud opinions who have made their bones for decades doing exactly that, kind of decrying the World Baseball Classic. And I, you know, I don't know where you come down on it. I want to talk a lot about it later on in the show, to be quite honest with you. But I'll just say this. When you've got – talking about injuries throughout baseball right now, Tony Gonzalez of the Dodgers was just walking off the field. And I don't know if he hit a divot. I don't know if he had a cleat go out on him. I don't know if he caught a cleat or whatever – but he just kind of rolled a foot, rolled an ankle, and, and he's going to miss some time. A guy, a guy literally just walking off the field. In, injuries happen, freak things happen, and you, you know, you've got to have guys have been hit in the face in spring training. Injuries happen in Cactus League games. They happen on backfields. They happen in the World Baseball Classic. And, and fortunately for the White Sox, up until this point, knock on wood, they've been a relatively healthy ball club. Talked about Foster, and, and I think time will tell uh, or at least it's it's just going to take time to determine the extent of that you know arm kind of forearm issue for him. Uh, but a couple of things, and Aaron Bummer has the lat issue that's kept him out of uh, a, a lot of spring training so far. So I, I think you know determining where that guy is going to be come opening day is is now maybe perhaps the most important injury issue that faces Pedro Gafal and Ethan Katz and Kurt Hassler as they put their bullpen together. That's your top left hander. Um, so you got to make sure, you know, with the rest of the depth, exactly how you're going to balance that uh, balance that bullpen out. If you need a left-hander, we've seen the White Sox. Shoot, we just talked about Matt Foster use some right-handers, and a lot of teams do. Guys who have kind of that uh, fastball change combo, or maybe a good curveball, something like that. A right-hander who can go ahead and be used to attack lefties in situations, um, and and maybe go without uh, a left-hander in the bullpen. Not my favorite thing to do, but it's, it's certainly possible to do. So that's something you got to look out for there, too. Aloy Jimenez left the game the other day, a calf cramp, something like that. He said he's, he's dealt with a whole lot, you know, obviously, and he has a lot of injuries. He's had enough of it. So he took himself out of a game, walked down with James Cruck to the training room, and uh, got that taken care of. He, he ought to be fine. Uh, Andrew Vaughn sat for a, a handful of days, some lower back issues. That has barked at him over his first two big league seasons. Now, obviously, the, the expectation is that in 2023, the, um, the physical ask of Andrew Vaughn is a lot different than it was in the first two years. Played a lot of outfield, of course. Sox fans, you know that. Andrew Vaughn's going to be your first baseman this year. And that's not to say that you're, I mean, listen, our first baseman's involved in every play. And when you start to talk about back issues, you have to take things seriously. And Vaughn, to his credit, certainly did. Uh, by sitting out a couple of days. Now, it does seem minor uh, and something he wanted to get ahead of. You know, that's a lot of the, the conversation around Major League camps right now with, with guys who have injuries uh, like that. They're going to get themselves in, back in, rather. Yoan Moncada had that, uh, that collision, that tumble, uh, out in short right field, uh, pardon, short left field in the World Baseball Classic, kind of a, a collision sort of thing. And it was, in case you missed it, the it was just kind of a, a communication issue. It sounded like between the Cuban national team, uh, the World Baseball Classic uh, officials, and and whomever runs that, and then um, the the media. I guess initially it had been talked about that Yoan Moncada suffered a concussion. That is not the case. I, I, I repeat, that is not the case. 
He was tested for one, uh, but did not get one, thankfully. Um, and just some bangs and bruises and, and Moncada, it sounds like, ought to be just fine in order to start the regular season. So that's, you know, that's good, too, because Moncada had been so good for Team Cuba after a slower start. And, and so much, a lot of, of what this White Sox offense can be obviously rides on the kind of player Yoan Moncada is going to end up being in 2023. We saw what he was capable of in 2019. Uh, we saw what COVID did in 2020 to him and some other players, obviously a short season. And I, you know, who knows whether he had shaken all of that in 21. Certainly injuries popped up uh, in the last two years that claimed a lot of his playing time. But when he'd even been healthy, you know, there'd been some, you know, underperformance. Uh, there'd, there'd certainly been some breakout games. You know, that five-hit game in Detroit last year was was vintage Yoan Moncada. I mean, the home runs, the, the hard-hit single, all that kind of stuff was exactly what you wanted to see out of Moncada. But, you know, when you look around this White Sox roster and you're looking for just kind of the different skill sets that round out an offense, well, the White Sox have guys who swing a lot, make a lot of contact, and hit for a lot of power in Eloy Jimenez, in Luis Robert when he's right, in, uh, let's see, go around the, oh, Yasmani Grandal when, when he's healthy and good to go. What they could probably use a little bit more of is patience in this lineup. That's why you bring in Andrew Benintendi. That's why Andrew Vaughn was taken where he was, third pick in the Major League Draft a couple of years ago. Patience is a calling card for him, and I think the idea is to get the walk rate up just a little bit, to go along with some of the power, or maybe the power influences the walk rate for Andrew Vaughn. But Yoan Moncada is a guy who's walked 80 times in a season. Yoan Moncada has a very discerning eye at the plate, to the point where it has gotten in trouble, gotten him into trouble at points. Um, but that is a skill set. Uh, you know, He peaks in that plate discipline kind of area, where not many other guys in this White Sox roster and this White Sox lineup do. So a very valuable skill set to say nothing of the fact that he's a switch hitter, provides a little relief on the left-handed side for Pedro Grifol. And then, you know, the defense at third base has always uh, been very good for Moncada. So it's kind of this, you know, can he be a guy that, that is an offensive driver, or is Moncada a guy in 2023 who will play great defense, have good, you know, weeks or so at the plate and then, you know, just kind of muddle through the rest of the way or just kind of stay around average. You know, what exactly where um, that kind of top-tier performance falls in and, and who else is hitting around him I think will matter quite a bit for the White Sox. Now, I, I think this lineup is talented enough that if you get, you know, a slightly above average, above league average, Yohan Moncada, say like a three-and-a-half war season where maybe a lot of it is on the glove – you can you can win with that. You can absolutely win with that. But there there is a lot more potential, has been for years, in Yoan Moncada's bat, and we'll see if the White Sox are able to and Pedro Grafal are able to bring that out of a player who uh who certainly could use a good season after injuries kind of disrupted the last couple. We got a lot more to get to. I, we mentioned the World Baseball Classic by way of, of talking uh, about Yoan Moncada and the uh the, the tumble that he took. I, we saw something really special this last week. We, we saw something as baseball fans that you kind of dream about or that you maybe set your video games to, uh, to sim for you or that you have to make you know, fantasy trades to, to set up. We saw one of the best players on the planet, Shohei Otani, take on one of the best players of his generation, maybe of all time, in Mike Trout. 
We saw it with the game on the line. We saw it in the championship matchup. We saw it in Team Samurai Japan versus Team USA. Uh, The tournament goes to Team Samurai Japan, and that was really, really cool. But how big that moment was, I think, deserves a little bit more conversation, especially in light of the fact that spring training... uh, Listen, the World Baseball Classic has kind of reminded everybody that while spring training is fun to watch and check in on and hear Landon DJ talk about all the time, it's, it's great. When you put stakes on a ball game in a, in a winner go home in a, in, a, in a single elimination tournament, you can get the interest of baseball fans all over the globe. So we're going to talk about that when we come back, talk about how big Tim Anderson was for Team USA. All good stuff when we come back. White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, start planning your group outing to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes. They can be perfect for you and your group. Learn more about our spaces, including the CIBC Fan Deck or a patio party. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash party or call or text 312-674-1000. Told you we'd be talking a lot about the World Baseball Classic in this particular segment. Listen, I, I, it's White Sox Weekly, but I, I've said it a handful of times. You could do a show centered around any team in Major League B. You could do a show centered around any minor league team. You could do a show centered around any Japanese league team, Korean league team, or Australian league team, and, and talk about Shohei Otani and be justified in doing so. What we're seeing from Shohei Otani over the last couple of years, is, in a lot of ways, maybe every way, unprecedented. And I mean that. Now, here's what the World Baseball Classic brought us. In in terms of the White Sox, a a lot of things, right? You saw Yohan Moncada mean quite a bit to Team Cuba. You saw Luis Robert with a couple of hits, though certainly the strikeouts were high in the World Baseball Classic. Probably for any White Sox, could have gone better if you're picking a guy. For Luis Robert. Jose Ruiz pitched really, really well out of the bullpen. Lance Lynn was the ace of Team USA. Uh, Aloy Jimenez had a couple of big hits on an absolutely stacked roster. And Kendall Graveman pitched well out of the bullpen for Team USA, too. Speaking of Team USA, uh, they, they lost in the championship game to Samurai Japan. Uh, we're going to talk about that finish because, my goodness, how can you not? But one of the guys that got... I don't know, maybe the most press of anyone on Team USA outside of Trey Turner was Tim Anderson. And I talked a bit about this, uh, I think, on Carmen Yurko earlier in the week, you know, kind of the, the stuff. And I think we talked a little bit about it last week on White Sox Weekly as well. But Mark DeRosa, the, the manager of Team USA, you know, former uh, Brave, former Cub, he's on MLB Network. He's a. He's a known face around the league, right? He's a commentator and a pretty high-profile one. He was the manager for Team USA. Ken Griffey Jr. was the hitting coach. Pettit was the uh, Andy Pettit was the pitching coach. The whole thing. And, and if you if you want to pick nits, I guess at the World Baseball Classic, there are plenty, right? 
it's a short tournament. It's pool play and then, you know, one win and advance. And that's not how we, you know, usually evaluate winners in Major League Baseball. You want to see that full season champion. At least I do. I put a lot of weight there. When the world, uh, rather, when the uh, wild card games, the one play, one game wild card matchups came around back in 2000, I want to say 16. A lot of conversation. No, it was earlier than that, 2014. Uh, the a lot of conversation about you know one game. What are we really deciding? You know, go ahead and win your divisions, and that means so much more. I, you know, I think we've all kind of over the last decade or so become more accustomed to short series and and understanding what it is while still celebrating the winners and still looking at the regular season as as something that's weighted, right? Something that probably means a little bit more. Now, on the other hand, what you had here is baseball in March that meant a lot. I mean, whether you want to talk about the fans themselves, the, the Team Cuba fans that rolled out, Team Venezuela fans that rolled out, Team Japan fans that rolled out. I mean, these were sold-out ballparks. And whether you've got you know comments from guys like Randy Orozarena or anybody on Team USA, whether it's uh, Trey Turner or Kyle Schwarber or e- even Tim Anderson who's talked a lot, the atmosphere around these games has been compared to playoff games. And some guys have said this is this is even more than that. And just, just talking about the atmosphere, the fan, you know, kind of intensity that got brought from all over the globe to these games. Major League Baseball made it a very clear point that that they wanted to get back into the World Baseball Classic after the pandemic. And and it's on for three years from now, right? We're scheduled to do this again in 2026. I think a lot of people are excited about it. I, I know a lot of players that played this year all over the place in different teams are looking forward to their chance to participate yet again. And I, I thought one of the quotes is Trey Turner who said, oh, no, it's JT Real Muto who said this. And I, I thought this was an interesting one. You, you could either be here, you know, playing World Baseball Classic games and all of this, you know, kind of atmosphere and probably facing better pitching, or at least if it's not better, then it's certainly pitching with more intent perhaps, than in spring training. You could either be here at the World Baseball Classic or you could be in Grapefruit League play or Cactus League play. Where would you rather be? That was kind of Real Muto's point uh, of the Phillies. And I kind of thought, yeah, that, I get that. That makes some sense. I don't know if you were grabbed by, you know, uh, Team USA or Team Cuba or Team Venezuela, depending on where you're from. You know, maybe you're from the Dominican, maybe you're from Dominican Republic, maybe you're from Puerto Rico, and and you were behind, you know, your particular team, or you got family ties to any one of those places. Team Ireland did not make the t- uh, the, the tournament again this year, so we're still kind of waiting in the McKnight household for a little country pull. But this was this was a thing that brought you matchups if it didn't bring you, you know, the rooting interest of, of any one particular team. Something that I think many baseball fans will be talking about for years now is how the championship game ended. You had, you had Shohei Otani come out of the bullpen to close down a game, something he hadn't done in years since his time in Japanese League Baseball. Against Mike Trout, the maybe best hitter, certainly of the last 20, 30, 40 years, maybe 
a, a, a best hitter of all time kind of conversation. Top three, top five, many would put him there. Some have elevated him to one of the best players, maybe the best player in Major League Baseball's history already. I, that's, this isn't the time or place to necessarily debate that, but he's sure shooting one of the best players I've ever watched. You had Otani versus Trout in a one-run game with two outs in the ninth. This was all of it on the line. These two, to say nothing of the fact that it's like a dream matchup, right? That the World Baseball Classic somehow extracted Trout versus Otani. These two are teammates. This isn't something we've ever seen before because they play on the same team. Now, Otani could go somewhere else after the season. He's a pending free agent, and everybody knows that the Dodgers have uh, have been lusting after Otani for a while. We even saw some rumors. I mean, shoot. 25 Major League Baseball teams uh, would love to have Otani, and the other five would too. They're just not in that kind of you know payroll win now situation. Uh, there were rumors that the White Sox had checked in on Shohei Otani at the deadline last year. This is the I mean, you watch Shohei Otani. It came down to the best versus the best. The the comments afterward that the players kind of gave were. You know, about the atmosphere, about what mattered, about how you know, Trey Turner hit that Grand Slam in the semifinal game for Team USA. They were down a couple. The Grand Slam put them ahead, and they went ahead and salted that game away against Mexico. And it, that was, he said it was the biggest home run he's ever hit. Trey Turner's hit a lot of big home runs. He's played in playoff games. He's, I, this is, and that, he said, was the biggest home run he's ever hit. I wonder, you know, maybe nothing in World Baseball Classic, you know, future comes to equal the the Trout versus Otani, Shohei pumping 102, past Trout, getting to a full count, throwing that slider to get him out of the at-bat to win the game for team, to win the tournament for Samurai Japan. I I mean, this was, it was really something cool. I I don't know that we're going to get back to that level, but certainly this one, this World Baseball Classic, for me, springboards more interest for me in the next tournament in 2026. What I wonder, though, is I get that this tournament may not mean everything that it, that it does to the players as it does to you. You have uh, pitch limits on players. You have certain teams telling some of the best players in baseball that they can't go compete for their country, either because they're coming off uh, an injury or they just don't want to deal with it. You had Clayton Kershaw not be able to secure the, uh, the insurance uh, on his contract. So in, in case you missed it, players often or teams often take out extra insurance policies on the contracts of players who go to play in the World Baseball Classic. So if that guy gets hurt, like Edwin Diaz did in the World Baseball Classic, the Mets then have insurance to pay them on the contract for the time that Edwin Diaz is going to miss this year because of that injury. For some players, you can't get that insurance. They can't go play on those teams. And some of those guys, Kershaw certainly, would have been one of the better pitchers on Team USA. So you don't have the elite best of the best to cop a line from Top Gun. But there's a lot. I mean, you're going to have more better hitters across these rosters, and Team USA certainly did, than you are pitchers just because of the inherent injury risk. Um, you, you saw the story, I, I, I likely did, that Lance Lynn, who was not going to pitch in the championship game because he had, he had already pitched, he had hit his limits, wanted to check. He checked in with the White Sox. He called to ask and see uh, if he'd be allowed to pitch a little. 
in the championship game? And, and the answer was no. I can't fault anybody for that. I certainly don't fault the White Sox for saying, no, that's enough. You've done, you've pitched plenty, Lance, and we need you, big boy, in that rotation come game one or game two or game two or game three. Um, I can't fault Lance for wanting to go back out there and pitch for that team, especially given the, the way the players have talked about this tournament after its conclusion, the way they've talked about wanting to perform for those fans, for that team, for that, for their teammates, you know, that's, that's really cool. But I, I do think it is the big mitigating factor in terms of interest in this tournament. At least for me, it is. The fact that you don't have... Um, it's, it's, not, it's not Game 7 of the World Series. Because it can't be. The limitations are there. Guys can't... You know, you don't have a guy like... Uh, there's, there's never going to be a Jack Morris... Situation. I mean, there's probably not going to be a Jack Morris situation in the World Series from here on out. But you know what I mean? A guy going 10 innings, giving up just one run, uh, and, and that the starter is there to finish the game. You're not going to have a uh, Matt Harvey kind of effort, even though things spiraled on him in the ninth of the Mets uh, in that World Series a handful of years ago. You, those moments aren't there. They can't be there. But you saw plenty of drama provided for it. In the, regardless, you know, you saw Otani come out and close that game. Roki, and what you know, the other thing you saw are a handful of guys that uh, either impressed and earned contracts in a couple of situations out of the bullpen or pitching, or or even some guys like Roki Sasaki, the the dude for Japan who was throwing 102 with that gross sinker. You know, one of the best young pitchers in the world who's going to stay in Japan for a handful of years. He's 21, going on 22, so he's not eligible. Or Well, he's, it'd be very difficult to come out of Japan in two major leagues, given the, the restrictions based around those players there. I think he had to be 25, 26 uh, to go clear, free and clear. Um, but th- listen, you, you saw the horizon, uh, certainly from either in Japan, Japanese players coming over, some from uh, Team Venezuela, some from Team Mexico, some from... I mean, these... There are some serious, serious uh, talents that were on display for our audience, you know, the, the Western Hemisphere audience for the first time ever, which was really cool. And I, I think, you know, when Commissioner Rob Manford gives it the big thumbs up that he did earlier in the week and says, oh, yeah, we are on for 2026, I, I think you have to have as much buy-in from players as you do from you know your your networks, your corporate sponsors, your your major league baseball entities, in order to to make this work. And I, you know, I I didn't go into the World Baseball Classic thinking that I would be as interested as I turned out being in it. I I really thought I would just let it surprise me. I'll catch it when it's on. I'll I'll watch some White Sox at bats for sure. I mean that's kind of how my my level of interest started in that tournament. It turned into Watching as much of it as I could. I, I've mentioned a couple of times that our, our three-month daughter, who, who kind of keeps, uh, you know, she kind of keeps the schedule around here. We don't really get to plan everything uh, the way we used to. But I, I watched quite a bit of that tournament and, and an awful lot of it uh, while holding her and, and holding the phone and, and kind of streaming it the way I did. So she watched some of her first baseball in the World Baseball Classic too. Cool tournament. I, I hope you got the interest out of it. I, and really what I think might be possible for some White Sox players like Juan Moncada and Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn, Kendall Graveman, Jose Ruiz, is, is pulling perhaps 
just a little bit more intensity out of those games and into the 2023 season than they might otherwise. We'll talk about that when we come back. You've got White Sox Weekly. Oh, and White Sox fans, starting at just six tickets per game, you can cheer on the White Sox from the comfort of your own private suite. The Suite Flex Plan allows you to select the games you want to attend. Multiple options are available, and for more information, visit whitesox.com slash suite flex. That's whitesox.com slash suite flex. Or... Call or text 312-674-1000. I'm Connor McKnight. More White Sox Weekly when we come back on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Saturday, April 15th. The White Sox take on the Baltimore Orioles. Fun squad there. 1.10 p.m. First 15,000 fans will receive a 1993 American League West Division Champs crew neck presented by Coke Zero Sugar. Purchase tickets. Visit whitesox.com slash promos. A couple of things to get to here on the uh, last little bit of White Sox Weekly, March 25th, and getting real close to opening day. We're so close. We're reading promos for series down the road. It feels good to be this close to baseball. Speaking of opening day, the White Sox have named their opening day starter. Didn't leave the show with it because, I, quite frankly, I think everyone knew that Dylan Cease was going to be the opening day starter against the Houston Astros. The guy finished runner-up in the AL Cy Young last year. He is far and away the top guy on the White Sox pitching staff and uh, has big future ahead of him, too, perhaps. I, I think, you know, when we look at Dylan Cease's career up to this point, I, I, he's a kid who, since his days with the Cubs in the minor leagues, which were brief before he got traded to the White Sox for Jose Quintana a couple of years back, you know, there were, there were whispers on the backfield. You know, this kid's stuff pops. You can hear it different into the mitt. The, the curveball at that point was absolutely devastating. The sliders come along and the fastball has always been plus, plus, plus. So C sets up that rotation for the White Sox. And while as of this afternoon, there are still a couple of things yet for Pedro Grafal and Ethan Katz and Kurt Hassler and everybody else, the White Sox coaching staff to determine for that series, you figure it'll probably be Lance Lynn and then Lucas Giolito in game two and three. It had been said earlier on in spring training that Michael Kopech would not start, uh, would not pitch rather in the opening series against the Astros, which leads you to believe that Mike Clevenger pitches game four against Houston and that Michael Kopech would start the home opener against the San Francisco Giants. So you figure that's the way the rotation lays out. Um, also, kind of updating a, a few things. You know, we saw Tim Anderson get back into the lineup after returning from the World Baseball Classic yesterday. Single to right field, Yohan Moncada, Homer to drive him in. That was all yesterday. Sox have a game tonight, of course. Uh, it's a late evening game, 8 o'clock start against the Cincinnati Reds. That's kind of in the western part of the I think Peoria surprise area of Glendale. Lance Lynn is going to start that game tonight. So you figure, you know, things are, are, are lining up the way they ought to. Seized through six innings yesterday, did not allow a run, struck out five, 
it looked the way you want it to look. And I was reading through, um, you know, because some of the guns in, in, in out in Arizona measuring velocity, they're a little hotter than others. Um, this was at Oakland, uh, which I think is Hohokam Park, if memory serves correctly, out there toward Mesa. Anyway, uh, James Fegan of The Athletic had reported that the stadium gun there was measuring Dylan 94, 96, something like that. A little closer toward 96, a lot more 96 toward the end is what James uh, had reported on Twitter. Follow James at J.R. Fegan. He's a great follow and a good White Sox uh, beat reporter. Uh, so that's that's good because the last couple of starts for Dylan, um, the, the velocity hadn't exactly been where his primo stuff usually is. And remember, too, you know, Ethan Katz talked about this quite a bit as the offseason wound down and spring training kind of started up. And Dylan had that, you know, that start where he gave up 11 over two innings of work, well, two-thirds of inning of work. But remember, he got up in the first and was knocked out of that one, got back up in the second, knocked out of that inning as well. The, the idea in this offseason was to... Uh, take I, I don't know a better way to put it. Take it a little easier, or perhaps just a little slower. Not easier, just a little slower in the off season on Dylan with his his ramp up procedure than he had each of his last couple seasons. I, I think you know we kind of started talking about this before it got tangentialed into the uh, into the starting rotation and how things are going to set up first couple of games of the year. You know, we we look at Dylan and. In 2019, it was kind of a quick, hey, get up here, let's go. And, and there was a whole lot, of, uh, whole lot of press, a whole lot of anticipation for Dylan Cease being worked into the big league rotation. 2020 was 2020, right? It didn't go well for a lot of people. Uh, and it, it, production-wise, it went okay for Dylan Cease. Not good, not great, anyway, uh, but certainly okay, a lot of walks. 2021 was a big step forward for Dylan, and he posted in that year, 32 starts, 165 and two-thirds innings. Next year, 2022, last season, 184 innings and another 32 starts. He didn't miss one. So this is a guy who, because of the nature of the trade, the COVID season, the late call-up in two, well, not too late, but not the full year at Major League Baseball at age 23 in 2019, this is a, a big jump in innings uh, expected for three consecutive seasons for Cease. And of course, you know, he's at the top of the rotation. He is going to be your opening day starter and your stopper should things get to a point where you're looking for that guy, your 1-1 um, your, your matchup sort of thing. So this is, you know, I, I think playing things cautiously uh, and not so aggressive makes a lot of sense in this offseason for Dylan. And, you know, the other thing that we see at, at eh, this point in spring, maybe a week, starting a week ago, up until the end of spring training, and maybe even into the regular season, you'll see guys go through a little bit of a dead arm period. You know, this point where nobody's hurt, nothing's, you know, but you're just, your arm is kind of getting back into, you know, you, you ramped it up, you're throwing hard, and now you, it barks a little bit, I guess. It just kind of doesn't respond uh, maybe the day after or the start after the way it, it typically will. Once you you know get into your you know quote unquote midseason form right so I think battling that and kind of if if you can and this is a lot more difficult to do than it is to say if you can kind of scheduling that dead arm period if you've been around for a little while you kind of know when it's going to come after you um, John Lester of the Red Sox and then Cubs would talk about this a lot and try and aim. Uh, for this popping up for him at a certain point in spring training, so you know you're through it, and then back over the other side once the season starts. Um, kind of the first guy that I'd, I'd talked with about this whole kind of procedure. That that makes a lot of sense, um, and, and perhaps that's something that went into 
timing Dylan's off-season schedule of work as well. Oh, one other injury update too. Not really an injury update per se, but uh, Andrew Vaughn did talk uh, last night after a game. He went one for three and had, had just kind of talked. Like The back had been an issue, and we talked about it earlier on in the show. He spoke this morning. Hasn't felt an issue since coming back in. He DH'd yesterday and is going to be playing first base in the uh, in a minor league game this afternoon, and will probably play. You know, the, the, the White Sox play two games, technically not cactus, cactus leagues games, but the the White Sox and Cubs usually add on a couple of games toward the end of the spring training schedule. They have done that again, and they will play two more. Those games are uh, are coming up. Actually, it, it's the 27th and 28th. The 29th is an off day. They'll fly to Houston and get things set and ready to go. Um, some some back-end roster kind of conversations that I want to get to quickly. We don't have answers yet and may not have them until late tonight, early tomorrow. I'll tell you what those are when we return. It's White Sox Weekly. Oh, and remember, White Sox fans, you can catch the biggest matchups at the best value for the 2023 season. Enjoy flexible payment plans, a ticket exchange program, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash ticket plans or call or text 312-674-1000. Back with more on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome it up here on White Sox Weekly. You can join us for Sox Crawl. It's back. April 29th, we're doing a pregame Whiskey Hue Socks Crawl presented by Jack Daniels. Enjoy an exclusive barbecue menu, specialty cocktails from Jack Daniels, and receive a White Sox hockey jersey presented by Guaranteed Rate. To purchase tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash crawl. C-R-A-W-L, Socks Crawl. Uh, just a couple of things to wrap up here. It's, it's weird. We're at that point of spring where you figure a lot of roster decisions have been made by the coaching staff, but obviously haven't been announced yet. Injuries happen, of course, and you want to save, you know, in the, in the case of minor league guys who might be going down to the minors, you want to save options before any injuries might pop up. You want to exhaust any potential late trade possibilities that might pop up. More on that in a second. Uh, and a few other issues that, that you know, just uh, may be lingering um, for whatever team. Now, one thing that's uh, tough, I think, for us on the outside looking in is, and I don't want to get too into, uh, into the weeds here, the collective bargaining agreement that was signed at the beginning of last season has not been released in full. And as such, some veterans with uh, X amount of years of status in big league service, but on minor league deals, we don't exactly know when those options need to be exercised or when those bonuses need to be paid. So that's guys like Hanser Alberto and Billy Hamilton for the White Sox. It may be, in fact, today. Uh, we don't know that yet. There's also, you know, some late injuries that have popped up. The Phillies lost Reese Hoskins for what looks like is going to be the year. A torn ACL just on a play and a bouncer behind first base for the Phillies first baseman. So if you were a team that had an excess of first base types, 
perhaps you'd want to be on the phone with the Phillies looking at some potential returns for, you know, areas of your strength, trying to bolster some areas of your weakness. That's usually what happens right around this time of year. So just a couple of final last minute things to look out for. Opening day is around the corner. Also, importantly, you can join us in supporting Liam Hendricks during his fight against non-Hodgkin lymphoma and purchase a closeout cancer shirt. Fans can also donate a shirt to an individual fighting cancer in Liam's honor. All proceeds benefit the Lymphoma Research Foundation. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Team Liam to order a limited edition T-shirt. Full pre and post game tomorrow afternoon for the White Sox. It's our final spring training broadcast. April 30th, opening night, White Sox and Astros. You can catch all the action right here with Len Casper and Darren Jackson on ESPN 1000. We'll talk to you then.